0: Start your engines!
1: Hit the pace car! What for? Because you need any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect!
0: When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. He talks to me.
2: He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey, race fans, welcome to the
0: Hoobazoo Radio Network, and welcome to another edition of Drafting the Circuits Radio. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about everything in racing this past weekend and preview next week. Joining me in the studio, I've got Gray Warren, Seth Eggert, and Richard Uden. Fellas, how we doing?
2: Terrific. Good,
0: Good thank you. All right, so a uh, quick look at the headlines, NASCAR... Uh, wrapped up their regular season at, uh, at the Brickyard in Indianapolis. Um, Kevin Harvick was the winner on the day there. Uh, Formula One was in Monza, one of the uh, classic tracks there. And Ferrari takes their first home win in nearly a decade with Charles Leclerc going uh, two for two winning uh, back-to-back races. So, um, And we've got some other news to talk about. Driver movement uh, and, and interesting uh, things here that you may not have expected. But first... Let's uh, let's delve into this um, brickyard race here. Now, Gray, uh, Seth, you guys kind of have a uh, differing opinion on the quality of racing. So, uh, Gray, you go first, please.
3: Well, well, I was I was somewhat disappointed in the cup in the cup race. I just thought that uh, the package that they took there was not conducive to good racing up front. Uh, it seemed like you know Harvick had a strong car, but it seemed like the car that got the brake, and, and got the lead and got clean air, had a distinct advantage, and Harvick run up front. You know, after after winning the pole, was able to to pretty much uh, dominate the race. Led, I think he led 118 of the of the 160 laps. But uh, the only time he was really challenged was was Ryan Blaney. He took he chose the inside rather than the outside on a restart one time, and Ryan Blaney got ahead of him on the. Uh, on the restart, and Ryan was able to to pull out to a lead, and uh, Harvick really couldn't do much with him. So I was I was somewhat disappointed at, at that, and it seemed that at, that after the cars uh, got strung out uh, after several laps after a restart, that uh, they pretty much raced in station. You had a few guys that started at the back that were able to make some moves to the front, but they, they were the they were the same guys that have, you know, with tremendous teams and and tremendous ability. But by and large, it wasn't uh wasn't a really, in my opinion, wasn't a really competitive race. Uh again, Harvick Harvick pretty much dominated after winning the poll and uh picked up his uh third win of the season and kinda positions himself as as one of the favorites going into the chase.
0: Yeah, certainly. Now Harvick you know, his season got off to kind of a, a bit of a slow start, but he is certainly peaking at the right time here he's uh you know yep. we, we you know how many weeks did we say gosh i can't believe we're this deep into the season I haven't seen a harvick mm-hmm. win but now now we got the kevin harvick we're used to seeing there who's uh you know and, and, tough tough to beat
3: you know and uh, another thing too that was disappointing was i thought the the crowd there was kind of paltry uh for the Brickyard. of course you know it uh, didn't have uh didn't have a lot of fans there uh of course Indianapolis seats close to four hundred thousand people, but it, there. it
4: was it was actually up three percent. So yeah, that's that, not, it's a not a lot. It's not a lot. But that being said, uh, about forty to fifty thousand people. I want to say the cup race was around sixty to seventy thousand, but still that many people in a place that seats about two hundred eighty thousand permanent seating. Uh, it's going to look paltry no matter where they yeah. place them.
0: Yeah, they're so, going to get yeah the the folks that there are going to get swallowed up in that yeah. that sea of stainless steel when all those are empty. Yeah, then, so. and
3: it does concern me that they really haven't been able to rebound as much as they'd like with with this thing. And I think too, I'm concerned about the the racing that we saw there. That like I said, Seth may 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 differ somewhat, but I'm, I was concerned with with the racing and then the and the, and then the race okay. moving back to the to uh, 4th of July uh, in the heat of the summer uh, next year. I'm, I'm concerned as, as to what will, uh, you know, what will happen with the Brickyard 400 going forward. I mean, I don't think it's going away, but I just think it's, uh, you know, are we going to see the, the race, uh, the, the demise of the race further, you know? Yeah, I can't
0: imagine that, that 4th of July is going to be very comfortable I mean, I've go, I go to the Indy 500 in May, and there are times it's just miserable.
1: Well, you what, uh, again,
0: we're you know we're, we're talking a track with uh, you know, with no lights, so it'd be a daytime race. And and literally, I I find this a surprising move because the you know July 4th weekend has been you know Daytona. Um, you know back these called the firecracker 400 and and for years and years and years and that's a traditional date and yeah. they moved it they moved it to a night race and when they move it to a night race they found um, that they had better crowds there not that yeah. they had crowd problems to begin with but it's much more comfortable in, you know the yeah. heat, heat of the summer to run that night race so I'm not quite sure what they're thinking with this but I, I guess we'll find out
4: in a, a year track, it was a track request yeah.
3: Well, we'll see what happens. I, you know, I hope they can market it well and, and, and maybe and, and get it going. I, I, I worked the, the first 15 Brickyard 400s, and I can tell you from experience that uh, of, of all the races on the calendar, that Brickyard 400 was one of the hottest of the year. I mean, right. They, that was, and, in,
0: it was in August uh, at, August of that, at well, the late, time, correct? It
3: was, either, it was either early August or late July. Right, the right. First. first late uh, July. Yeah, late yeah. July, and they moved it to like just depend on how the calendar fell. Sometimes it followed the first first weekend in August too. But it was uh, it was extremely hot there in 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 the heartland, and you you've got uh, uh, not a lot of air stirs around in that in that in that place, particularly down on Pit Road with those big grandstands behind you, and uh, you know it's 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 can be pretty oppressive. Certainly. Now, Seth.
0: I wanted to bring you into the conversation about the quality of racing because when we were off the air before we started, um, you wanted to engage uh, Gray in a healthy debate because you saw things a little differently. So uh, let's get your take on the on the, the racing and quality of racing from the Brickyard.
4: Where Gray uh, points to the package as the big disappointment, I'm actually pointing a little bit to the teams because the, the majority of the teams had set up for a heat-of-the-day race except – a, a storm flew, uh, basically breezed through uh, shortly before the race, and it was overcast, which this had been forecasted throughout the weekend, and the majority of teams did not take that into account. On top of that, there was a seven-car pileup on Pit Road on lap 10 that took out several contenders, including Martin Truex Jr., Chase Elliott, uh, Denny Hamlin, who very well could have been up front Battling Kevin Harvick had he not gotten damage on pit road on lap ten.
3: Yeah, and and, and I, I, I I'll 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 grant you that, but still, what bothered me the most was was the arrow package because that's what allowed those cars to the, the lead car running in clean air with that particular package to have a distinct advantage. Well, and it, and it was and it made it tough to pass. I don't know if they need to tweak it a little bit. I thought the. It, it, the other side of the coin I thought the uh the Xfinity race was was uh pretty pretty good. I mean well, uh, the the
4: only difference between the two series of this past weekend Xfinity series they had one hundred less horsepower. They were running a four fifty package. Mm-hmm. And instead of the normal spoiler, they were running the super speedway spoiler with right. the dog ears. Mm-hmm. That those were the only differences.
3: And and that could have been a, that could have been a big difference too. And I don't know. And we I've debated this with 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 my with my friends if they would have had a little bit more engine. Uh, what what was the package that the Cup used? The, what, what is,
4: I believe they use the 550 package.
3: Right. So what's the other package? Is, is, it, is it the, the –
4: uh? The It's 750 for Cup, the other right, package. Right, right. This is the only time during the year, mm-hmm. at least for the Finney series, where they run a lower horsepower package, right. which in this case it was the 450
3: package. And, and a little bit more horsepower. It's, it's hard to say. I mean, it's a crapshoot. NASCAR does what they think is best, and there's always unintended consequences. I realize that. But, but like that's what I'm saying. Just maybe a tweak here and there, maybe extra horsepower, a little tweak with the spoiler, anything to bunch them up a little bit. That, that's, but, that's just what I personally like to see.
4: Well, well, as you say, Harvick ran away with it. I'll give you that like how you're giving me the uh, wreck on pit road. That being said, of those who wrecked on pit road, Chase Elliott was able to climb back up to ninth after mm-hmm. falling a lap down. Bubba Wallace uh, was the story of the weekend, running third. Uh, he had a chance to possibly sneak away with a win there. William Byron climbed back up to fourth. Right. Denny Hamlin climbed back up to sixth. So there was a lot of movement within there the was, pack. There was. The problem, there was, more, the problem I mean, more so was when they got side-by-side side with this package, especially the car on the inside, uh, if the car on the outside was just ever so slightly ahead – Uh, evidenced by jimmy johnson the car on the inside would break loose going into the corner and wipe out either himself or several cars
3: and and it was several incidents like that and and uh, another thing too though the racing is similar at pocono where the cars tend to run in station they get they, they run very close to the same speed and it makes it and it makes it tough and, and granted, we had some guys make some movement. They also used some some good strategy to uh, to get it. And, and of course, Bubba Wallace uh, used used good strategy to get near the front, and he was able to maintain and stay in the top five well, for the for the last half of the race.
4: Well, uh, just to backtrack a little bit on that, Bubba Wallace off the truck, he was confident the entire weekend, from yep. what I've read. Yeah, had a good uh, car. He, he was fifth fastest in the opening practice. Which the opening practice had the same exact weather as the race itself,
0: mm-hmm. but good for good for Bubba though because man, he's been needing a really solid result. Well, good for that you team. Know, they for, yeah, the it. whole team exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah. but let's let's talk <laughs> about the let's talk about this um, wreck with Keselowski and uh, the the angle of the wall uh, where the road course enters. Uh, the, the track there um it's coming out of
4: well is, uh, turn, isn't, one that, it, isn't that actually a runoff area for the road course because uh yeah but but the they, yeah. they i
0: mean the reason that the wall is open is that's where the um safety vehicles can exactly. enter the track so exactly. otherwise they'd have to go you know to two and a half miles around to get to a wreck so that's uh you know like sealing that whole thing off is not uh yeah, possible, but uh, Kozlowski was very critical critical about the angle of that wall and where it is at the end of the safer barrier where they've got the tires there. Um, but I I can only recall a few instances where I've seen somebody uh, strike that in quite that um, quite that angle. I remember a. Uh, what?
4: Uh, Chase uh, Austin Indy, in the in the Indy, lakes, uh, Indy lights
3: 2014. Yep. Mm-hmm. Where was Dixon's wreck a couple of years ago? Wasn't it in the same general area. But he, he no, no, Dixon, Dixon's
4: wreck was Right,
3: but he flipped. He flipped into and over those that same barrier, right? No, that was no, that, was, that was right on the.
0: That was on the backstretch, I think.
4: It, it was in uh, short shoes.
0: Right, oh, okay. right, yeah, going oh, towards right. the backstretch, yeah. But he, but it wasn't. I thought. I thought
3: he was on I thought it was, you know, coming out four, but.
0: Right, but he was on the on the outer wall rather than the, the you know, Keselowski hit that, that inner wall.
3: You ask what didn't Dixon come down and, and, and hit the inner wall? I mean part of part of the tub hit the inner wall when he was when he was somersaulting. I'm talking about Dixon's wreck wrecking the Indy five hundred what like, two years ago.
0: I, I, I thought he—I thought it was the outside wall where uh, he hit. It's, no, he, hit, the inside he, hit wall.
4: he landed on the inside wall. Okay. Uh, Catherine Evans drove under him on the access yeah. frame.
0: Right,
3: right. And it was coming out of four, I believe. I think it. In the short it, it, right, right coming off. Coming off. Four. off. Anyway, we can it, clean. Anyway, oh, anyway, yeah. So
0: that's uh, moving on. Uh, moving on, yeah. So, so Brad was not quite happy. His car was kind of stranded. He, uh, you want to say he. Got out of the car. It looked more like he fell out of the car.
4: So if you've been watching it. Now, I have read since then they are looking into trying to come up with some sort of temporary safer barrier that they could install in that area. And when I say in that area, I mean at about a similar angle to what the tire packs are at. Because if they were to do it at the natural wall angle that they have. If someone spins into that, they're going to hit a 90-degree angle that – if anybody remembers the Mark Martin wreck when he spun on the pit road uh, and speared the pit wall,
1: that's essentially what would happen.
3: Yeah, that was at Michigan, was it not?
1: Yeah. Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.
0: yes mm-hmm. yeah and I've seen oh go ahead Richard
2: can I raise the point here? and I'm being you know what was if that had been I don't know Landon Castle at had accident and he said oh we need to move that wall would anybody have listened it's just because it's Kozlowski I,
4: I agree wow. with you on that speaking Didn't of I? Landon Castle uh, real quick he had a hellacious wreck of his own uh, something broke on the car and he pounded the outside wall for the second year in a row, the roof buckled on his car on impact.
2: Oops. At Indy. That, ain't, that ain't smart.
3: And you know, I tell you what, it, it's it's hard to prepare for every eventuality. I mean, you you know that's why you know in, in the in a sport that's advancing all the time, you learn something from every accident, and it's it's hard. And now they can now that they've seen this, this is a possibility that it can happen. Now they can correct it, but you can't. You, you know, it's not in everybody's crystal ball. You can go and take as many steps as you think you need to do, and it's not neglect, and it's 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 not a it, it, it's not really a mistake. It's just that they haven't they haven't studied it, and and it's never happened before. You know, and, and well, it's just, go ahead. On on
4: that note, uh, if we always joked essentially that Jeff Gordon would be the driver to find a different spot on the wall because he did that at Las Vegas. He did that at Charlotte. He did that yeah. at Richmond, but people don't realize because also been in that same position, uh, at road Atlanta during a test session at Watkins Glen. Now here at Indy, uh, it always seems to be the same driver who has a number of incidents back to back to back in which they're finding something, uh, that people had not thought of, or that has never happened yet. That is, that
0: is an interesting little point there. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that there's any anything to that other than just dumb luck. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, I know that Keselowski has had some conversations with um, with Doug Bowles, who's a part of Speedway, and they 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 are going to look at it. I mean, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, if nothing else, is a very professional facility, and and they only want uh, the highest degree of safety for you know for all the drivers in all the races. So I, I know well. They'll take a look at this and, you know, examine some data and come up with a solution. So,
4: well, we also, this was the final race of the regular season. Uh, Kyle Busch uh, back at Darlington uh, clinched the regular season championship. Uh, We didn't have any new drivers win. So the playoff field stayed the same because Jimmy Johnson in his bid wrecked out, as I alluded to earlier. Uh, Daniel Suarez made a last stand, essentially, did not get enough points to keep Newman and Boyer at bay, and fell, I want to say he was six points shy of making the playoffs.
0: Boyer and Newman in the last two spots, so Seth, do you have a list of all, all 16 chase drivers in front of you? Yes, I
4: do. Let's, uh, let's, go,
0: let's go ahead and run them down, because it's always, it's always kind of exciting to know who is who has made the playoffs.
4: Okay, Kyle Busch with a 15-point lead over Denny Hamlin, who's in second. Then we have Truex, Harvick, Logano, Keslowski, Chase Elliott, Kurt Busch, Bowman, Jones, Larson, Blaney, Byron, Almirola, Boyer, and Newman.
0: So out of those 16, right? Yes. Who do you think I, I you know I would say oh who who do we who do we like as the favorites but let's go the opposite direction and says who do you think would be the first the first four to be eliminated
4: The first four I think will be eliminated uh Newman and Boyer just because they have not been performing all year long uh Almarola, I'd probably put in that same category the fourth driver however I I I want to say Kyle Larson for some reason?
3: You, your your picks pretty much mirror mine, Seth. I I feel the same way with all those with all those guys. Larson, you never know what you're gonna get. It's feast or famine, and and he, he can he can have uh, he just seems seems to be snake bit that it, uh, sometimes. You know what I'm saying?
4: Exactly. Uh, he like going back to Atlanta earlier this year, he should have had that race sewn up and Mm -hmm. a, uh, I think it was an uncontrolled tire penalty or somebody fell over the wall or something like that. Mm -hmm. Some stupid reason why he didn't win that race. Mm -hmm. So there's a handful of ones here and there. Uh, the others that might be at risk, I'd say maybe Blaney because he hasn't been consistent this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eric Jones has been consistent lately, but not Alex Bowman. Mm. So you can kind of pick and choose uh, four out of maybe about six or seven different drivers that are at least at risk of not moving on.
3: And, and I think you can throw William Byron into that uh, mix, too. He's been kind of hot and cold. Uh, at times, he can he can look like a world beater and on the verge of winning one, and the next week he can be –
4: just average. And that's essentially the second half of the 16. Everyone who either didn't win a race or, aside from Eric Jones anyway, mm-hmm. because he's the only one in the latter half of the 16, uh, him and Bowman are the only ones that have won a race.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's
0: always a couple of surprises, but usually it's not in the first round. Usually it's in that, that, that second or third. You get well, Jimmy Johnson a, a few years ago,
4: Jimmy Johnson a few years ago was eliminated in the first round.
0: Yeah, right, right. He sure was, and he <laughs> heck, he didn't make it for the first time in the history of the Chase. Jimmy Johnson's on the outside looking in. So yeah, and, yeah. and you
3: know, when you, and then you can go. Let's let's look at the, let's look at the favorites now on the on the other end of the uh, you know the probably the the last four the last six that you can think of because I can think of about six that. I think, you know, of course you can talk about guys that come in in momentum, but I think about six, the the top six guys are legitimate, legitimate, uh, you know. uh,
4: Well, if you're saying the tops, if you're talking the top six and we already talked about the latter half, that's Mm going to leave a couple of drivers in like a bubble zone. Chase Elliott, Kurt Mm -hmm. Busch, and I don't even throw Keselowski in in there because he hasn't been very consistent the second half and and, and, you
3: know joe and joey hasn't been hasn't been a world beater either you know what i mean so i mean i think you do have those bubble guys though right you know what i'm saying there is some guys that could go either way you know and that would be those bubble guys like you like you're alluding to but obviously i think we talk kyle bush uh harvick uh, hamlin hamlin uh, uh
4: Truex hasn't been consistent lately.
3: No, he he's been down, but he you know, uh they can they can rebound. I mean, you know, they can they they've proven they they can you know, do it. and, and well, you know, Kyle Bush hasn't been a world beater, you know, in the last uh last month and neither neither has Truex, but I think they can turn their ship they're so close they can turn their ship around pretty pretty quick. <laughs> Uh, so got uh got
0: I, I I didn't think you said ship for a second.
3: Yeah, <laughs> 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 I said ship, 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 the ship. I should say. Like but that, anyway, but, but we uh, we got we got Truex, we got Kyle Bush, we got Hamlin, um, Harvick. It's, that's four. Yeah, you know, Two Gray. More, Gray. As I look at this thing, I think this might be
0: Denny Hamlin's best chance ever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's he's, it's, it's, well, he's, he, he's he has very quietly, very quietly. Looks stronger than he ever has, and 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 you know I'm saying, hey, here's a guy who's always kind of been, eh, you know, he wins a lot of races, but he's never been really talked about as as championship oh. contender. I think I think this is his best shot, and I think he looks really good going into this thing.
4: Well, Hamlin is often touted uh, by some members of the media as the best driver in NASCAR to never win a championship. Him and well, well, him, him and Mark he, Martin.
3: What he had his shot several years. In two thousand ten. Yeah, right. And and he was very, very close, went into the last race with a with shot to do it. And, and and of course what Jimmy Jimmy prevailed in that uh, in that run. But uh of- Who's the other two? We've named the four, who's the other two making up that six, Seth?
4: Uh the other two making up that six would be Logano yeah. and Kozlowski right yeah. now based they, on points.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, be, it's interesting. To the too. Yeah, it,
0: it seems like the Penske guys always come out of the box strong early in the year. And even if you look at like, like mid-year his. And his, his come back yeah, historically, well. the last mm-hmm. couple of years, it's like Brad and Joey knocked their wins out early in the season. And then they're just you know, kind of there. Well, they're just kind of there. They're running well. And then when playoff time comes along, boom, boom, boom. Well, you know, Brad had that
3: run last year to, to end the regular season. Which yeah. It ends at what? uh well, three to run. Run at
4: If I may, uh, this is probably coincidence, uh, but like you said, they always start off strong. Then mid-year they fizzle out, and then they come back strong. It's always coincidental, at least in my eyes, that when they fizzle out and when they start coming back is the beginning and the end of the IndyCar season.
3: Okay,
0: so are are you saying that maybe there's less resources available to the NASCAR team because Roger's focused on – I, I'm Roger and Tim that. both. Yeah. Maybe I,
3: not no, that's,
0: that's a really interesting focus. point, Seth. I've not I've not thought of that before.
3: Yeah, but probably I'm, I don't think resources has
0: anything to
3: do with it. Anything I would
4: say maybe. A- Different focus. Yeah, well, ahead. or
0: maybe even yeah. leadership because, I mean, you know, Roger and, and Tim are always at the IndyCar races, and then once the IndyCar season is over, they're they're right there in the NASCAR pits. Well, so,
3: they,
2: they throw in the basket. Yeah.
3: Here's
2: yeah. A for you. Which series do you think, if they could pick one to win, which series do you think Penske would rather win?
0: Well, I, honestly, you see Roger at the IndyCar track week in and a week though, out, he yeah. never. He's he's at NASCAR tracks when his schedule allows, but he's rarely misses an IndyCar race. Same thing with Cindric. Yeah. Cindric is you know he's he's calling strategy for New Garden, so those guys are there, and that's you know where Rogers team started. Yeah. the the Indy well, the, the Indy Five Hundred is is Rogers' passion, you know, yeah. and so I, I I believe that Seth, you're you're onto something when you say once the IndyCar season ends, these guys spark back to life.
3: Yeah. But you know, from a passion thing, I think I think you're right, Frank. I think they 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 love IndyCar. It's 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 home to Penske. It's where they made their mark to, in racing to begin with. But I think you know, from a from a business standpoint and from a purely financial standpoint, the, the, you know, the NASCAR Championship is 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 much bigger. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm sure they look at it from 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 both ways. And like I said, I'm like you. Maybe there maybe there's they they shift their focus to total focus to the to the chase once the uh once the uh, uh IndyCar season's over and you figure you know he's, he, he's I mean his racing empire is rather large and it takes uh, I mean with his the people he's got uh, I'm you know he, he's got people spread out everywhere and I'm sure oh yeah, they've, they've those... got
0: you know Australian V8 supercars and and, and yeah a, when yeah. he can
3: put all that when put all that focus into one thing you know that uh, that brings all his, all his
0: power to bear. Certainly.
3: Now, before
0: we stop talking about NASCAR and move on to Formula One, there is some really great news coming out of NASCAR that revolves around, speaking of Penske, uh, the, the Penske satellite team or alliance team, Wood Brothers have signed Matt, Matt Benedetto. As a driver next year. And Paul Menard is going to step away from uh, full-time racing. You know, he uh, wants to spend time with his family. And, I, you know, I appreciate that decision. He's got uh, plenty of money. There's also some talk that they'd like him to take a, a larger role uh, on the family business, which is, uh, uh, you know, Menard's Home Improvement Center. So um, he's walking away gracefully. We may see him part-time. But uh, the one article I read said he sort of hand-picked his uh, – Successor, he did. Yep, they, they uh, Wood Brothers asked him, uh, well, who would you sign? He goes, Call Matt, and uh, why not? Uh, Matt Benedetto has uh, really had a really strong run, keep the car clean, pretty, Drive, pretty
3: much a no brainer.
0: Pretty much a no yeah. no brainer. Here's a guy who's uh, lost his ride with the Levine family and um, is putting up top five and top ten performances every week, so uh. Uh, works he's out works out well good. for Matt. That's he's for sure. He's gonna lose the
3: ride.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that'll be interesting to see. And that's, you know, this is uh, maybe that spark that the Wood Brothers need because they're they're still looking for that. What is it? Win number two hundred or one hundred? Win number one hundred. They're they're stuck on ninety nine. So I think maybe Matt's going to be the guy to give them that next year. So um, good for him.
4: Oh. So. Now it's going to be a strong alliance regardless. It is one right now. Uh, A lot of people are expecting Matt to win in that car. A lot of people are even putting him in the playoffs next year. Uh, Which if he wins, but if he wins, but but when I say the playoffs, I mean (laughs) in the uh, in the championship. I should a contender. Yes, I don't think he's going to be that strong only because. Again, it's another new team for him. Third new, uh, di- uh, It's the third different team in three years. Uh, third different car in three years because uh, last year he drove the Fusion. Now he's in the Camry. He'll be in the Mustang next year. Uh, another new crew chief for him. Just so much change going on for him. Clearly he's shown that even with that change he can succeed. It might take oh, some you. time.
3: But I think one thing he's got going for him, he's hungry. Yes. He is he is hungry I, and, and that and I tell you what, I don't I think that's I, intangible tangible that you that you can't put a value on when it, you get these guys they they don't tend to adapt and make things work.
4: I would not be surprised to see him win at least one or two races. That being said, I don't see him being in the championship contending.
3: For you. Yeah, I mean... Well, I mean, yeah, honestly,
0: day. Seth, it's a little early for us to talk about next year when we haven't settled yeah. this year's championship. But, but yeah, but, but at that, the same I time, think, you, you've got to agree, he's this is... Well in that car. Yeah, this is the best situation he's been in career-wise. I mean, things could not have worked out better for him because he looked like, you know, two weeks ago, he looked like he was going to be unemployed journeyman driver again. Mm-hmm. You know, he, maybe, he was maybe,
4: still going to be unemployed uh, at, until Monday this week.
0: Exactly, that's what I mean. He looked like he was going to be unemployed, but now he's got... The opportunity of a lifetime, and I did like like Gray said, the, the young man is very hungry, and he's also very talented, and I think he'll adapt quickly. Yeah, they may have some growing pains early in the season, but uh, if nothing else, NASCAR is a long season with a lot of opportunity to to learn lo- to great. learn and grow and learn your team. So,
3: I got a question for Seth. Uh, have you heard anything? Whether uh, they plan to give um, Christopher Bell a start? In a cup ride in one of these last ten races uh, this year, have you heard it,
4: anything on that? Uh, I have not, and if they were going to, it would have to be in a either a second LFR car
3: mm-hmm.
4: or in a car that is a Rick Ware Racing quote right. unquote, yeah, uh, like how Stewart Haas did with Cole Custer last year, right. or even a quote unquote uh, Carl Long car. Right, and, and it, the only reason why I'm saying that is. With the charter system, you cannot yeah. have a fifth car for a rookie.
3: Yeah. Well, so I just, you know, I know how some of these teams do. You know, in the in the in the final race, they'll find a, or help find a ride and and kind of, you know, backdoor fund the, uh, fund it to a degree or to get, that, get that kid a, a a little bit of an experience before we, you know, throw him to the well, wolves next year.
4: Well, a little bit of that has been going on recently in the Xfinity series uh, between Hattori uh, uh, Racing Enterprises and Carl Long's uh, Motorsports Business Management team mm-hmm. uh, because, uh, for whatever reason, Hattori Racing was struggling putting their car together, and the one time they tried to qualify for the uh, an Xfinity race, the clutch broke or something like that. It was some mm-hmm. weird thing that never happens in qualifying. Right. Anyway— they uh, have been collaborating with Carl Long's team, and in their second race uh, in this collaboration, they earned their second top ten, and it was Austin Hill's debut race in the Xfinity Series okay. at Indy. So there are things like that already going on in the Xfinity Series with Carl Long, and the main reason why I'm saying that and pointing to his team in particular, they run Toyotas. Mm-hmm. Granted, they don't have any factory support whatsoever, but they run Toyotas, and that might just be enough for maybe Toyota to give Joe Gibbs Racing that push, like, hey, you make the car and all that, and we'll just label it as Carl Long's.
3: Yeah, that they could, they could work out. Speaking of that, uh, I thought the Xfinity race at uh, at Indianapolis this weekend was, was pretty good. Uh, racing in that i think that that uh that's been the since they extended went to that new package several years ago i think that's really spiced up their race at uh at indianapolis and Kyle bush yeah. ends up uh holding off uh holding off uh who do, what was it he held off uh, Justin Allgaier. yeah held off Allgaier. both of them ran well during the race and uh held him off to to pick up win number ninety six in the and, Xfinity series,
4: uh, four more, as he said, uh, until he quote unquote retires from the spinning series. he uh, also had Jed Burton match his career best with a fourth place finish. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. He was emotional post race. Uh, it looked like it was going to be a battle more so between Christopher Bell and Tyler Reddick until yeah, so they got those two... Yeah, and that was a hellacious wreck. Uh, Christopher Bell said that's the hardest wreck he's experienced. Since uh, competing in NASCAR,
3: mm-hmm. Ouch, yeah, uh, it, was, it was quite a lick. But both guys were pretty amicable about it when they got out. They didn't. They, neither one focused the blame on one or the other. They kind of stood out there outside the infield uh, uh, care center and talked about it. And both uh, pretty much in agreement that it was a racing accident, and uh, they move on.
0: Yeah. So let me throw this out real quick to uh, to all three of you guys. Um, I have noticed, as you said, Gray, that the um, the particular package that the Xfinity series uses at Indianapolis tends to produce pretty darn good race, and, and we've seen this the last couple of years. Um, what's what's the, the difference between what the Xfinity guys are doing at Indy and the Cup guys? I mean, is well, is, Seth, is,
3: uh, I know Seth, Seth, Seth alluded Seth, to man, it, yeah. Earlier.
0: So yeah.
4: Uh, it, it's a hundred less horsepower for the Xfinity series, uh, and they run. Instead of the normal, just I think two-inch spoiler or whatever side spoiler it is, uh, they run the Super Speedway Package spoiler. With the which it, it's that with the uh, dog ears on each side. Yeah, so I mean, would
0: it would it benefit the Cup guys to run a similar package to Xfinity? Because, like I said, this Xfinity race at at. Brickyard has been the last
3: couple of years really yeah. good. It may. And did, did they run the nose up that open through and expand
4: uh, for the expense series? Yes, they did.
3: did so, did, but did they run them in? Uh, okay. See that 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 all that together, you know, it, it, it's such a it's such a fine line with these with these packages. You know, you can and you have an you change tweak one little thing and you can have an unintended consequence. That's why I think sticking with the the Xfinity package as it's been has been so well. Uh, the Cup guys are still kind of experimenting a little bit with their deal, but and I think maybe we could we could see some tweaking because I think you know they would like to see more passing up front and the and the, and the the feel not getting so strung out, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we'll see how that goes.
0: Anyway, I, I do want to make sure we save enough time <laughs> to talk about uh, European racing. So, uh, real quick, picks for Vegas, um, Richard. Who do you like?
2: Picks for Vegas.
0: Uh huh. I, I mean the NASCAR race, not uh, you know, the not not could, not it,
2: the blackjack table. I mean, I'm gonna. It could be Jimmy Johnson. How stupid would that be? That would be typical, wouldn't it? If he goes out there and wins, that's the sort of stupid thing that the sport is. uh, Sure, yeah. Okay, (laughs) Sam.
4: Well, you went with Jimmy Johnson. I'll go with one of his teammates. Uh, Chase Elliott, he got hot last year in the playoffs, especially on the 1.5-mile tracks. So why not?
0: Why not? And uh, Gray? Kyle Busch. All right, and I'm going to go with Brad Keselowski. He's, uh, he's always ran well at Vegas, and again, so uh, we'll just have to see how that goes, man. You know, who's going to punch their car to move on to the next round? So Formula One at Monza, one of the classic tracks. Uh, prior to the Formula One race, Richard, we had this very scary-looking crash in the Formula Three race with uh, Alex yeah. Peroni, where he hit the sausage curbs and pretty much vaulted the car into the air. Over over the fence or landing on the fence, and then to my surprise, he hopped on out of the car and walked under his own power into the um, the safety vehicle. There wasn't an ambulance right there, but then, then then it turns out he's got fractured vertebrae, and and the only thing I have to ask myself is, wow, why why were we not why didn't we notice that right there on the spot and 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 take him out on a uh, on a, on a board with a neck brace or, or you know th- th- yeah, that, that, yeah, that that I found different. to be kind of disturbing
2: when yeah. you know first at it, first
0: I thought the guy's okay then you know later yeah. fractured vertebrae I said, oh my god he walked himself to the safety vehicle
2: well I mean at the end of the day if the guy gets himself out of the car you know the cut force him to stay in the car and uh, and do that I mean it is difficult um but, no, you, you're right. It was a slightly unusual accident there. They they put these sausage curbs on the exit of Parabolica to stop people using the track, you know, exceeding the track limits with the concept that the car would be entering, or, you know, running across the, the curb sideways. Uh, what happened in this instance was the, the kid ran wide and hit the, cur- the end of the curb head on, which is not, I guess, how that is, obviously. Uh, I guess not, it's
0: just like you know, evil can evil hitting the ramp, right?
2: Yeah, pretty much it was, and it just, whee, you know, just vaulted him in, as as you said up into the air. It was uh, pretty spectacular. Thankfully, it doesn't sound like there's too major. The, the injuries are too major. Obviously, any injury of that nature is not a good injury, but hopefully, um, he makes a quick recovery and he's back in the car uh, as soon as possible. But it was certainly uh, an unusual incident. They removed those curves going forward. Um, for the rest of the weekend and for the uh, F1 race. Yeah, I mean it's so, probably. I mean
0: that parabolic
2: yeah. is probably just
0: fine with some gravel and sand.
2: Well, exactly. You know. But as we fortunately spoke last weekend, the, the concept of gravel and sand seems to be going out of You know we, what we've known that since Herman Tilke got on board. You know the sure, concept yeah. of gravel and sand is out of fashion. Um, All right, well let's talk about then, the Grand, you know, let's it, talk about the Grand Prix then. So, well, I think we need to start off with qualifying. Qualifying was a complete farce. Uh, yes, yes, Monty it was. was the, the is the fastest circuit out there, and as we all know, these cars are so aero-dependent. Everybody's trying to get a slipstream of everybody else, and it was a case of sort of the last of the late breakers in terms of getting out onto the track rather than breaking into a turn there. And uh, what we saw was was all the cars jostling for position, nobody wanting to be first on track. And in the end, nobody was first on track because they were all too slow to make the the time um, for the start of the race. So... All a little bit silly and avoidable, I think. Right. Now, weren't there, the sure weren't there they, a couple guys holding up,
0: guys behind them?
2: Yeah, and, but again, if you're the first guy, you want to have somebody pass you to get ahead. You know, right, but nobody wanted to pass
0: them, up. so you've got this, like...
2: Yeah, I whoa. don't think they were holding people up, per se. I think it was just nobody wanted to pass them, which is always a very difficult Yeah, yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm wait, waiting
0: for this guy to hit the gas so I can hit the gas. Exactly. And he's, I'm waiting for so you to pass I... me so I can hit the gas. And so it's uh, yep. It's like a little yeah, so... little game of cat and mouse almost. And, it, it, and it... it
2: all looked very, very silly, and I'm sure they all got called into the headmaster's office. Oh, sure. Uh, and and, 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 and the, uh... lo- the
0: loser, of course, was the fans who would would have liked to have seen a pretty spectacular qualifying session. Of
2: course. And we
0: saw the same knucklehead stuff in NASCAR earlier this year when uh, nobody was able to complete a lap in the, the final session. So.
2: Yeah, and it, it sort of it's it sort of you know, i am gonna say it leaves a bit of taste in the mouth, but it is a little bit for oh, goodness sake, guys. Come on, sort yourselves out. Um but then after that, you know, going into the race, uh we saw um, you know, a good start by Leclerc. Actually, if you watch the replays, Hamilton made a really good start and but just couldn't get past Leclerc into turn one. I did notice something very, something interesting. Uh this is the sort of engineering sort of Brain taking over. But if you watch Hamilton's onboard start, now I I don't think it's the way he holds the wheel because I've never seen him start like that before. His left hand was almost like reaching round the back of the wheel during the start. So I wonder if they've got some. I remember when Ferrari had that special switch last year for the start sequences? I wonder if Mercedes have got a special system that they use that requires the driver to hold the wheel in that way. I didn't see Bottas's onboard start to be able to compare, but it was slightly unusual and I did notice that. Um, probably nothing to it. But uh, we all like to think there's some conspiracy or some magic going on, don't we? Um, but then outside of that, you know, it, it was two against one, as we saw last year at Monza when Vettel um, had issues. You know, it was Rijken against the two Mercedes last year. And this year it was Vite- um, Leclerc against the two Mercedes after uh, Vettel lost it in the Iscari chicane and uh, ran back on and didn't collect Lance Stroll but got pretty damn close to doing so uh, and then Stroll collected uh, Kvyat as he came back onto the track. So it was all all a little bit messy out there on Sunday for those guys. Um, Vettel got a penalty and he's, he's won. I think if he has a infringement in the next three races then it'd be a one race ban for the guy uh, which nobody wants to see really. Um, but uh, yeah, know Leclerc no you know, put up a good race. He was able to uh, defend the uh, Mercedes this year, unlike he did last year. And I think a lot of that was due to tyre tactics. I think he went onto the harder tyre at his stop, which uh, gave him an opportunity to uh, to hold off, uh, you know, the, the Mercedes towards the end of the race. There, and again, totally deserved as we saw last weekend at Spa. You know, Le- Leclerc did what he had to do, and, and to a greater extent, you know, the, the guy upstaged his teammate. Um, and we've been seeing that a few times this year, you know, outside of Canada where, um, you know, Vettel arguably could, could have or should have won, um, you know, the Clare probably should have won um, Bahrain, should have won Azerbaijan uh, and has got these two in. So it could easily be 4-1 or 4-2 into wins to the to Clare's advantage. So there's a little bit of pressure on, the, on Seb there and, uh, we were talking about it pre-show. You know, we've seen this before from him when he was at Red Bull in uh, the um, uh, at the end of the or the start of the um, hybrid uh, era, when um, uh, Ricciardo came across from Toro Rosso and he 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 beat Vettel and Vettel quit. You know, was that because he was being beaten? I think there was that was a certain amount to do with it. So. Vettel's next move is going to be an interesting one there's been a lot of talk obviously about him going back to to Red Bull will he do that I, I genuinely don't know um, well he's
0: got one more year in his Ferrari contract runs through 2020 yeah, Did, I mean, do you see him walking away from that or, or or trying to get a buyout from that or do you see him sticking out for another year that's, 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 has, that's the kind see, of thing it's, that's kind of iffy so for
2: me this is my play in the grand scheme of things okay Vettel doesn't like going up against fast guys. who would? You know, you're the superstar. You've been the superstar at Red Bull. So why would you go back to Red Bull to put yourself up against Max Verstappen? Arguably, in some people's eyes, the fastest driver out there. Um, Certainly, you know, in the same breath as Hamilton. Um, You know, why would you do that? So, you know, we know Verstappen's there next year. So you you won't go for next year. Um, So this is my hypothetical scenario. Uh, Bottas is on a one-year deal at Mercedes. He he leaves at the end of next year, and Verstappen goes to Mercedes for 2021. Vettel goes back. He becomes the big you know the big dog at Red Bull again, uh, and you have Hamilton against um, Verstappen. Now, I think Hamilton's more likely to want to go up against the top driver than Seb Wood or Alonso did or um, you know, Schumacher did you know, back in the day because it's just his mentality. You know, I think he's got a little bit more confidence about his own ability and wants to go there and um you know prove that he's one of the best. Uh so that's you know that would be a pretty good playbook, I think, in my world, um, to see, you know, that would get patella out of Ferrari, um get him back to a situation where he's comfortable and potentially could um you know be more more at ease. You know, Leclerc I think long-term, is going to be Ferrari's number one. Uh, I mean, what's the kid, 23, 24, something like that. Um, you know, he's got many, many years left ahead of him. You know, Vettel's what, early 30s now. Um, I'd be, you know, I think there's a little bit of doubt there.
0: Yeah, so, and also, I mean, you keep hearing the, the rumblings that maybe Alonso's going to come back to Formula One. You know, <sighs> guess- and, and, and again, I was like, I think Alonso just likes to keep his name in the news, too. Of
2: course. You know, he's so... A, he's, you know, he's a bit like the Jack
0: Vildo, isn't he? <laughs> well, yeah, sure. Well, I mean, Jack Builder was a different story. But, uh, you know, honestly, if, if Alonso were to say, hey, I'll come, you know, drive your Renault or I'll, I'll drive your Red Bull, a lot of team owners are going to take him up on that. But, But at the same time, I mean, are they going to... Say, oh, you can have Monica weekend off to go drive at Indy, or you can have this weekend off to go drive at Le Mans and do your little uh, yeah, your your little journeyman thing doing. Or, you know, I, I, again, I just think he just like to keep his name in the news. Yeah. I, I believe we'll see him at the Indy 500 again next year. I think he's got some unfinished business there. Um, whether or not he's with McLaren, I don't know. Um, no. But we'll see. So, but do you think any any rumors of uh, Alonso coming to Red Bull or, or back to Ferrari are highly uh, highly?
2: Uh, hi- I'd be extremely surprised. I, I'd love to see it. And again, you know, we all talked about this last year, didn't we? You know, uh, it would be this sort of dream scenario to have him back because he's undoubtedly on his day one of the most talented drivers we've been privileged to to watch. But I I, I just think that there's something not quite right there with Alonso and that's not in a disrespectful way, but it's no team that he's gone to has ever drastically improved. You know, he, he went to McLaren first off things didn't really get better there. They had the the whole Spygate situation, which wasn't directly his responsibility, but then he goes to back to Renault and wins a couple of races. But again, does the whole crash gate scenario then he goes off to ferrari and they you know despite this whole claim that he brings six tenths to the team every time every you know whoever he drives for they didn't do great you know he could have won the championship and i think it was 2010 if he hadn't got stuck behind petrov but at the end of the day he got stuck behind petrov um and then you look at you know then he went back to mclaren and i know they're in a very very difficult situation but arguably when you're in that difficult situation that's when you need a guy like Alonso to step up and you know there's no doubt that at times in the last few years when he was racing he was driving you know by the seat of his pants but you know again you, you look at his, some of his career decisions and you do have to question them um, so i i really don't know i'd love to see him back i'd love to see him be competitive and i'd love to see him go toe to toe again with some of these great drivers because you know, there's no doubt he's been one of the last you know, one one of the best drivers in the most recent generation, but I, mm, yeah, I think there's something missing there.
0: All right, fair enough. Now we've got a few minutes left. Now, the, your old employer, Williams, has <laughs> has been in the news, uh, and not not in a good way, with uh, uh, posting huge financial losses for the last quarter. So, um, I mean, what can you? enlighten us about there. I mean, are are, is, are, are, we, are they in trouble to the point where maybe the team's going to be for sale or? Uh,
2: this is the difficult thing about Williams is to a greater extent, they're never, never going to be for sale. Frank would never sell the team. He will take investment, but he, you know, Frank will never sell the team on his own back. Um, the, I don't think the financial results are as bad as they appear. And the reason they're, they're not good. But the reason I say that is that they have the advanced engineering organization, which is very, very profitable. So they play one off the other, even though they are separate companies. Um, The concept is, um, even when I was working for them, the the, the master plan, if you like, was that uh, Williams want to get themselves into a position where they could run a team and break even without any sponsorship. So they would basically generate enough income from, the, from their advanced engineering organization to be able to fund their Formula One team. Um, that's quite a lofty aim and you know potentially unrealistic in the current market, especially if they want to be competitive in the world of Formula One. But I don't think the numbers that we see maybe are as bad as they appear as a headline figure, um, so I don't right, because those
0: numbers yeah. are solely based on the race team, and it's not bal- bal- balancing it against their their other business interests. If I'm understanding Correct. you correctly, yes. okay, all right.
2: Yeah, and those other business interests are pretty, you know, wide ranging. Um, they're doing a lot of work with a lot of other organizations, both inside and outside of other racing series.
0: Okay, well, fair enough. Yeah, so, you know, I just, my yeah, understanding, you know, they run
2: the. My understanding is that they run the Jaguar Formula E team. Uh, on behalf of Jaguar, their advanced engineering group. I may be wrong in saying that, but I think they either they run it or they have a very, very close link to them.
0: Okay, and speaking of uh, Formula E, uh, Mercedes announced their Formula E uh, team earlier this week. Seth, who were the drivers? Let's see, i put Seth on the
2: spot here. For, Van, oh, for, uh, Van George, one of them, and the, Nick DeFriis is the other, I think. Right, right. So uh, Now, if you look at the press release, Nick de poor kid, looks like a Barbie doll. <laughs> it's not the most flattering photograph of the kid, I must say. It's, oh, I'm afraid to say. Yeah,
0: yeah, but but again, here here's a uh, here's another huge manufacturer dipping into Formula E. Uh, again, that's um, you know the um, I've watched some Formula E races and they can be exciting, but it's just missing mm-hmm. something, and and that that missing something is the tremendous noise and and you know and, and exhaust exhaust fumes and noise mm-hmm. so but uh this is again this is gonna be the wave of the future there is more manufacturer interest in formula e than than in any other series and we've seen that uh you know form formula one is is, you know, got the hybrid, and they're going in front of that. IndyCar is looking at a hybrid. Uh, NASCAR has had some, uh, you know, rumblings about uh, an electric series or, yeah. or hybrid. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how that plays series. out over the next, I'm sorry, an all-electric series?
4: No, not an electric series. Electrification.
3: Yeah, I... I... I heard a rumor—not I don't know a rumor—but we we were talking about the Gen 7 car just just the other day, and I was trying to talk with some of my buddies over at RCR to get kind of an update of where that program stands. And and still, you know, we talked about about a week ago about Delara. Uh, coming in to probably do some of the chassis manufacturing and what it was going to mean uh, to the teams. And, of course, you know, the changes of the car is going to have an a, a independent rear suspension and that kind of thing. But they also said that one of the things that, they're, that, they're, that they've are that they thrown out there to the teams that they're talking is possibly uh, in 2024 some kind of hybrid technology making its way in a NASCAR. So that's that's one of the things I heard this week.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're going to need to go that route because that's you're going to see that from, you know, your automakers want to obviously use their racing to develop what's next in the road car. And I even think that going to hybrid is, you know, is, is, is honestly, is, I mean, that's that's what was last in a road car. So. so
2: the technical side of the point of it, I can't understand how it's going to work because these hybrid systems use regeneration, you know, through the braking systems. If you're a Daytona, you're not going to get regeneration. If you're a vast majority of the mile-and-a-half circuits, you're not going to get enough regeneration to charge the batteries. You know, the only places you're going to be getting it are Bristol, Martinsville, maybe Loudon, New Hampshire, and the road courses. Yeah, and this, this is the same
0: kind of argument for the, the IndyCar hybrid system as well. Yeah. That what are you going to do with the Indy 500? It's just, you know, you don't break. Yeah. So...
2: So I'm I'm a little bit perplexed as to how they quite see that playing.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, whatever. I mean, there are ways of doing it, and trust me, we've, I've played around with them when I was working there. But um, you know, and, and every team has done it. I mean, you remember the days when Ford, what three or four years ago, like dominated every super speedway. They basically had mm-hmm. a a hybrid system in their car. Yeah. Uh, and, and,
3: and basically what, one thing, another thing that in, in, that I was talking to, and, and of course, you know, this name, when I, when I, when I thought out there is, you know, our, our parts uh, uh, manager at RCR, he was the <laughs> one I was talking to and he was telling me some of the stuff, stuff that, that, that they're looking at down the road. There's going to be less parts made by the teams themselves. And essentially uh, they'll be purchasing more parts from uh, from outside vendors, and all the teams will purchase from these same vendors. So it'd be less uh, less fabrication and less construction that that as we know it now uh, with with these new cars.
0: So it's going more towards spec. I mean, I mean NASCAR is yeah. sort of a spec series now, but but not entirely because a lot of the guys build their own stuff, but you're, you're they're kind of mm-hmm. leaning more towards that, towards that direction. So, so Richard, where are we off to Formula One next? Do we have a week off, or are we racing?
2: Uh, no, we're, we're off this week. I believe it's Russia's the next uh, next race. Uh, the sort of the, the the European season is over, and, uh, and we, we head headed to that. Sochi. Sochi, yeah, um, and uh, we'll see what see what that brings. All right, um, back to flyaway races. Yeah, uh, you know it'll be be interesting to see if Ferrari can keep up this momentum, uh, or Mercedes can recapture it. I think certainly a lot of these circuits from now on in um, favor um, you know, some of the other teams outside of Ferrari. I think you know you look at you know Mercedes are going to be good at the tracks that are a um, a blend, should we say, of, of characteristics. So. Sochi, I think you'd probably look at, um, you know, them them being pretty good there. Um, Then you'd look at maybe the likes of Red Bull being competitive at um, uh, Singapore, Mexico as well in the high altitude there. That seems to have less of an impact on the engine. So uh, I imagine they put a pretty strong showing in uh, Mexico. So I think that, you know, I dare say Ferrari may not win again this season, but it's been, uh, you know, fun while they have.
0: Hey, you know, two two wins is pretty good for them, you know, well, <laughs> considering you get, the Mercedes uh, domination we've seen the last couple of years. Yeah. you
2: preseason testing, you know, they would have had a far, far, far higher hopes than they did at the start of last well, season. Well, certainly, so. yeah,
0: and there's a couple of missed opportunities early in the season, so... Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, you yeah, know, overall, not a bad year for, for Somebody had postulated that if, he, if the season has started in Austria, that the Leclerc the, the would be two points behind Hamilton. I'm like,
2: um... Well, damn. I mean, if the season had started in Spain, he'd be leading. Yeah, exactly. That's what, that's what I
0: My point was, yeah, the season <laughs> didn't start in Austria, so... But, but anyway... Um,
2: The first few races were just a practice.
0: Right, right. But uh, we are just about out of time. So uh, I want to thank you, Gray. I want to thank you, Richard. I want to thank you, Seth. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio and Spreaker. I want to thank all you folks that uh, listen to us week in and week out. Tune in next week. Next week we'll have uh, Christopher Hinchcliffe on here as a special guest panelist as we preview um, the IndyCar uh, Championship weekend. So uh, until then, good night.
1: W H O O B A Z O O,
0: that's website, Enter website, your website, your website.